Welcome back. This is Sam. And this is Corrine, and we are two Onkdocs. This week's episode, we're going to be focusing on cancers of unknown primary, also known as CUP. We'll be go over, we will be going over the important details on the ro- robust workup, tumor markers, molecular testing, as well as the treatment for cancers of unknown primary. Yeah, this is definitely useful for board exams, but also clinically when these cases come up in clinic or on the inpatient side. So what kind of PEP subtypes are there? So the majority of these are actually adenocarcinomas, but other histologies can include poorly differentiated carcinomas, as well as squamous cell carcinomas, neuroendocrine carcinomas, and my favorite, sarcomatoid carcinomas, which is not a sarcoma, actually. The most common sites for cancer of unknown primary are the lung, followed by the pancreas, the ovary, the kidney, as well as the colorectal system. And then what is included in the evaluation of cancers of unknown primary? Of course, we need to be doing a very robust history and physical, checking everything, including breast exams, testicular exams, DREs, pelvic exams, and a full skin exam, trying to hunt for that hidden melanoma. We also utilize imaging, of course, so we're thinking about CT scans, what I call the PAN scan, as well as PET scans, which may be helpful and can detect a primary lesion in about 20 to 30% of patients. But one pearl to remember is that mucinous tumors are often not FDG avid, so they will not be detected on PET scans. We also need to be considering mammograms, breast MRIs in women with axillary adenopathy, and those who have a normal mammo as well as a breast ultrasound. We also need to be thinking about scoping. We need to be thinking about upper and lower endoscopies as well as laryngoscopic exams looking for head and neck tumors. And then, of course, we need to be sending off some tumor markers. And so what tumor markers specifically should we be looking at? So some that we should be thinking about is beta-HCG and AFP, which could be suggestive of a germ cell tumor origin, but also be aware that AFP is produced in hepatocellular carcinoma. The other specific tumor marker is PSA, and that is specific for prostate cancer, especially in men with an adenocarcinoma and bone-only mets. Check that PSA to see if this is prostate origin. Other tumor markers can include CEA, which may indicate a colon origin, CA-99, which may indicate indicate a hepatobiliary origin, CA-125, which may indicate a gyne origin, CA-15-3, which may indicate a breast origin, but overall, these markers are nonspecific. Um, so be definitely be checking the AFP, the beta-HCG, and the PSA, but consider the others as well. Absolutely. And another one other than CA-15-3 for breast is CA-27-29. And so can we talk about the IHC stains that can help us diagnose cancers of unknown primary? So this is the bulk of what you guys are going to be going through on test day as well as in the real world. And one thing that we're going to be talking about is cytokeratins. So cytokeratins are positive in carcinomas as well as neuroendocrine tumors. The two that we're going to use to help kind of tease out cancer of unknown primary is cytokeratin 7 and cytokeratin 20. I'm going to call them CK7 and CK20 moving forward. So if the tumor stains positive for CK7 and CK20, you need to be thinking about urothelial tumors, ovarian mucinous adenocarcinoma, pancreatic adenocarcinoma, and gastric cancers. That's our differential. If the tumor stays positive for CK7, but it's negative for CK20, you need to be thinking about lung adenocarcinoma, as well as breast carcinoma, thyroid carcinoma, 
endometrial carcinoma, cervical, salivary gland, cholangiocarcinoma, and pancreatic carcinomas is on our differential. If the tumor stains negative for CK7, but it is staining positive for CK20, you need to be thinking about colorectal cancers, but also Merkel cell carcinoma, which stains also positive for CD117, as well as gastric cancers are considered. If the tumor stains negative for both CK7 and CK20, be thinking about hepatocellular carcinoma, RCC, prostate cancer, squamous cell and small cell lung cancers, as well as head and neck cancers, which should be considered when both are negative. A few other stains that we need to be thinking about, one is called thyroid transcription factor 1, or TTF1. This is seen in lung adenocarcinoma as well as medullary thyroid cancer. Neuroendocrine tumor is seen positive for cytokeratin, as we mentioned above, as well as neuron-specific eonolase. Sarcomas, as opposed to carcinomas, stain positive for vimentin and desmin. And melanomas stain positive for S100 and HMB45. Yes, I always remember that S100 as well as SOX10 for melanoma. And then TTF1, lung and thyroid, I feel like that comes up a lot. And so in addition to immunohistochemistry or IHC, do we use molecular testing for cancers of unknown primary? Absolutely. In 2024, I feel like molecular testing is a knee jerk for almost all tumors, including cancer of unknown primary. We're not going to talk a lot about this because it is a robust field in and of itself, but we do use molecular testing to potentially identify targetable mutations or possible mutations that could identify the tissue of origin. There's also tissue of origin testing within these groups that do these molecular testing. And one example is that if an isochrome P12 comes up, you need to be thinking about germ cell tumors. Definitely. And you can consider molecular testing either by blood or tissue, depending on what you're using. And so what chemotherapy regimens do we use in cancers of unknown primary? Our empiric first-line regimens include carboplatin plus paclitaxel. This should be bold, underlined, and that should be your go-to gas on test day if you don't know what you're working with. Other chemotherapy regimens is carbopaclitaxel plus atoposide, gemdosataxel, gemcisplatin, gemoxaloplatin, bevacizumab, plus erlotinib. The response ranges from 30% to 40%, and a median overall survival is about 8 to 10 months. Again, we need to be looking for targetable mutations in these tumors because you could find the diamond in the rough like an N-track fusion, and we do have drugs to try to target that. And then are there certain circumstances we can consider more tailored treatments? Yes, there are. So women with adenocarcinoma of unknown primary, as well as peritoneal carcinomatosis, you could consider this as an ovarian primary and possibly use a role for surgical cytoreduction followed by platinum chemotherapy. In women with adenocarcinoma of unknown primary and axillary lymphadenopathy, you can treat it as a stage 2 or stage 3 breast cancer because in these cases, actually an occult breast primary is found in 50 to 75% of them. If there's a squamous cell carcinoma with cancer of unknown primary as well as high cervical lymph nodes, you could consider treating these like a head and neck primary. So be checking that P16 status. If it's positive, it's most likely oropharyngeal primary. Also, you need to be scoping and biopsying the piriformis sinus, the nasopharynx, the base of the tongue, as well as the bilateral tonsils. That is a very highly testable thing. So when in doubt, if you can't locate what you think is a head and neck primary, take those tonsils 
muscles out. If there's a squamous cell carcinoma with inguinal lymph nodes, you can consider treating it as a genital or anal primary and consider lymph node dissection as well as chemoradiation. When you find a high-grade neuroendocrine tumor, you need to treat it as a small cell lung cancer with platinum plus etoposide and immunotherapy. I know we've said this on multiple episodes, but it still holds true here. And if there's an isolated bone met in men, think maybe this is a prostate primary. In women, consider is this a breast primary. And you can consider local radiation to the bone lesion and and observe if there's nothing else you can find. If there's an isolated brain met, again, you can consider surgery with or without radiation as the primary treatment. Yes, so a lot of pearls there. So that was a great quick overview of a topic we haven't previously covered. So Sam, what are our key takeaways? So our key takeaways is we need to have a broad workup. This includes a very detailed history and physical, utilizing imaging, knowing about PET scans, but knowing mucinous tumors are not PET avid. Also consider those tumor markers. We need to be cognizant of immunohistochemistry stains in our pathology to help us guide one direction or another. Some to remember is the TTF1 for lung and medullary thyroid, CK7 in breast, lung, and pancreas, CK20 in colon, S100 in melanin, PSA, and prostate. We need to use molecular testing to help guide diagnosis as well as identify targetable mutations for treatment. Our first line empiric chemotherapy is carbopaclitaxel for most cases, but also you need to know about those special circumstances where we could guide our treatment in a little more tailored regimen. Definitely. Well, as always, thank you for listening. Good luck with studying. Please reach out to us with corrections and comments. We always appreciate when people correct you know, anything that they've noticed on our Instagram or Twitter to Onk Ducks and have a great week.